Welcome to Infill, where we chat housing politics and policy. I'm Laura Clark, YIMBY Action. And today we have in the studio two, uh, well, Sam Moss is a, not really a guest. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would like to introduce, it's like three podcasts in a row. You're like, yeah, let's move on. There's this other person who's been recording Infill with me for three years, but, you know, whatever. Okay. So if you think that I should get my own introduction, Podcast World, please email Laura. Okay, but also we do have a very special guest um, from the Coalition on Homelessness uh, and who's been doing a lot of work on Proposition C. Introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Nick Kimura. Like you said, I worked at the Coalition on Homelessness for about eight years. Um, I currently work at the Eviction Defense Collaborative as well, so I've worked in the shelter system in San Francisco, family and adult. Um, And now I also work in eviction prevention, so seeing that side of it, people losing their home uh, housing. And so, yeah, thank you for having me here. Welcome. Yeah. Great. And later on in the program, Adina Levin of Friends of Caltrain and also a big Gimby in the South Bay will talk to us about going no on the gas tax repeal, which is measure six, and uh, some other things in the South Bay. Um, so Proposition C, um, for people who you know have just sort of looked and said, oh, it's a big funding for homeless uh, services and housing, um, can you talk about kind of how the breakdown of that funding works? Um, and, you know, we've been big supporters of it for a while now, but, you know, talking about the campaign is where it's really going to get interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the basic facts. What is this and how is the funding supposed to be allocated? So Proposition C came onto the ballot uh, through voter initiative. We got 28,000 signatures to get onto the ballot. We only needed 9,000. So it's definitely been supported from our base from the very beginning. Um, right now, it's a, it would generate $300 million approximately in revenue for homeless services. That includes mental health services, clean streets initiatives, shelter, and of course, the most important is housing. Uh, so 50%, at least 50% of the measure would go towards housing. So that's about $150 million per year that would be generated to build housing, to acquire land, to uh, rehab units. There's already a bunch of shovel-ready projects that we know of. So that's the, that's the big thing. There's lots of things that cause homelessness, but homelessness ends with a home, and that's sort of what we're targeting with this measure is housing. And, you know, as an affordable housing developer, I, I really appreciate the fact that Prop C is going to be an annual contribution towards, mm-hmm. supportive, to, towards new affordable supportive housing. When redevelopment died, uh, you know, redevelopment was that annual amount pot of money that affordable housing mm-hmm. developers could use. And the hardest thing to build is supportive housing for homeless people, formerly homeless, because it turns out if you have a home, you're not homeless anymore. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I've been surprised at, you know, people not realizing that $150 million a year for supportive housing will literally make most of the projects right now that are shovel ready, but don't have funding, have funding. Mm -hmm. And the amount of money we would save most likely, right, on first responders and clean streets and things like that is just compound on top of that money. And uh, so how, how have it, I, I'm interested to know how it's been explaining things like that to the naysayers. You know, I think uh, there are certainly naysayers Not out on there. on this podcast world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think when you, you know, when we're at the farmer's markets, when we're out tabling and stuff like that and, and reaching everyday San Franciscans, there is some hesitation about this number, this 300 million and about what we already spend. But when you really break down about how it's going to be, how that money is going to be raised by taxing the wealthiest corporations, making over 50 million, not affecting like the normal homeowner or the normal tenant like you and I or whomever, 
that it really, the person, people know it's a crisis. People know that something needs to be done. So when they hear that the burden's not going to be falling on the everyday San Franciscan, that it's people who just got a massive Trump tax cut on the federal level, like our biggest corporate one in history, um, that it's going to take back some of that. It really, it really lets people realize that this is something that can be done and it can be, it can be on the shoulders of people who are, you know, can contribute a fair share. Yeah, I think it's interesting because what's more popular is definitely to like target this tax at the super wealthy and I'm all in favor of that. (laughs) I also think that, you know, we're also big fans of bonds and other things Mm -hmm. that add taxes to land because I think we see a lot of, you know, homeowners have had their housing appreciate massively over the past 30 years um, and that some of that increase in wealth really should also be taxed away and put to things like homeless services. And, you know, I I don't know. I've been out there for a while and yet people still surprise me um, because people will, out of one side of their mouth, complain about the homeless crisis and the impact it has on their lives. And then on the other side of their mouth, you know, complain about how they feel like we're misspending money and like that there's all this money going to homeless services. And I'm like, where do you see, I mean, I'm sorry, I've, I've seen firsthand the money that is getting spent on homeless services. It's not enough. It's clearly a crisis. If you can see the crisis, why can't you see that we should be spending more on solving it? You feel free to bitch. No, uh, I definitely agree with that sentiment. Uh, like you said, Sam, like people who are in housing are no longer homeless. But when you look at our homeless department budget and it's like around three hundred million, most of that seventy percent of that goes towards affordable housing. So this is for money for people who have not been on the streets in like ten years. Some of them, but we still count them as in under the homelessness budget. So when we're looking at this larger figure, people think that oh, like we're spending all this stuff and we see these people languishing on our streets and we see such suffering on our streets. Why isn't this three hundred million? doing anything it's like it is there's thousands of people in fucking housing every night think and of how much worse it would be without it yeah, you know exactly and I, I think it's also important to point out that the way the affordable housing development industry has gone the overwhelming majority of the services provided by third party you know supportive housing mental health those things happen in the new buildings that are built for homeless people so Yes, half of the money will go literally towards development, but as I read the budget, another almost, I mean, another significant amount of money is going to go to third party service providers, but those third party service providers have to like come through the affordable housing developer Mm -hmm. and they have checks and balances and they're looked at every month because they're working with our tenants, Mm -hmm. you know? And so this whole thing about how like there's no accountability for the measure, uh, surprises me i guess a little bit but as you said i shouldn't be surprised anymore i don't know i'm surprised also this for me gets back to one of the struggles is that we have made our affordable capital a affordable housing really nice Mm -hmm. and then it becomes invisible Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's this weird thing where you don't want to stigmatize the people living in subsidized affordable housing by being like, hey, guys, this is affordable housing right here. I'm pointing at yeah, it. Right. Yeah. But like you also want to make it clear that like this money is being very well spent, um, that we have people living in housing that is distinctly not identifiable as affordable housing because yeah. it is not shitty. Yeah, Yeah. we're getting rid of like that old project sort of mentality where it's like these specific things that are very stuck out in in the communities. I mean, the the Richardson, a community housing partnership one, I believe that's what it's down in Hayes Valley. It's a beautiful one. It's It's across the street from Million Dollar Condos. And every time I'm down there, I ask 
if I'm with someone that's not in the industry, I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, which one do you think is affordable housing? Yeah. Like, most of the time, they don't get it right. Yeah, you know? it's beautiful. It looks like yeah. brand new condominiums. It was built, what, like five, yep. ten David, years ago? David Baker like Architects. You're welcome for that shout out. <laughs> Donate to MB Action. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, and, yeah. The, and we have to do that. Our industry has to do that because mm-hmm. of the stigma that came with it. But the only way to do that is to have an annual source of funds that we can count on. Definitely. And, you know, that's really what Prop C is. Yeah, and I think part of Prop C, too, is like while developing housing and acquiring land and all that is definitely important and a part of the mix, like subsidies are also a huge part. Like up to five years, someone can be housed. Families and youth is especially are targeted within the measure. So we know that like giving people a rental subsidy that could be used on rent allows them to go into the into the into the market and place and get these type places. And then, you know, we are working with the homeless department to create a program where after those five years, when a wait list opens up in just a normal affordable housing spot for families, we can move them to the other spot and then open up the supportive housing unit for another homeless family. So, you know, we're not only working to make sure that the Prop C funds are used correctly, but that we can transition people into other buildings and open up a spot for another person that needs it down the road. Yeah, that's actually something I've been encountering lately is people being like, oh, well, how how long are these people in these housing units? What's going to happen? Do they stay there forever? And like the answer, Rafi had a good one. Rafi Amendman had a good uh, quote, like stating like, yeah, some people do. Some people need it. They're disabled. They're on fixed incomes. They're seniors. But, you know, some people don't. And we had a really great program called the Moving On Program in San Francisco, a program that was funded in the city that allowed people to leave supportive housing. And so when they didn't need that support anymore, the case management, the mental health services, they could go out into the private market and find housing. That program was like actually really popular. Like, heck of people got housing, heck of people got out, but the funding wasn't there. So stuff like that could be funded through Prop C as well, where we're creating vacancy by putting, by people being allowed to move into the into the rental market. Yeah, because, I mean, what people probably don't realize is, while a mission housing, which does build some supportive housing, but is mostly just normal capital A, capital H affordable, we provide resident community services. We do that, and we do it really well. But the the next level, like supportive housing and the actual case management, you know, physical and mental health management on a daily basis, that is way more intense than anything that a, like a common resident service coordinator can provide. And the amount of money it takes to provide those services is drastically more than what Mission Housing needs, you know, just to provide resident community services. And so that is really what the moving on was about. Like why provide high, you know, extra large services when, a, when someone's proven that they've moved on, right? That the program actually worked and we should move them to another one. I'm of two minds about the response. You know, I I definitely hear that too. People will be like, oh, they'll just be on public subsidies for the rest of their lives. And I'm like, so what? Right? Like, so so you've, you have, so you're telling me that like you would rather they be like on the streets and probably like dying of a drug overdose than be in a system where we have said, I think that's a moral thing. How low do we think we should allow people to fall? And we just should raise that floor as high as possible and say, we're not going to, as a society, allow people to fall below a certain level. And it would be great if people can use that platform to launch, to like use housing to stabilize other parts of their lives and to launch onto things. But also, so it is okay if somebody just isn't homeless. Like th- that is an okay yeah. goal. Um, I don't know. I, I, these things of like what's going to be the compelling argument to the swing voter. Sometimes you, you know, I mean, you've been in the campaign now mm-hmm. for a while, and it's it's hard not to be like, 
just like scream at the swing voter sometimes you're like oh my god like why can't you just see that this is awesome yeah especially when it's like really like oh um i care more about these billion dollar industries than people dying on in my sidewalk in front of my home so uh speaking of the swing voter um you know it is a citywide initiative and we need all the votes that we can get Uh, um are there any specific areas perhaps of san francisco that are less supportive of prop c than others where yimby action members might be able we only have three weeks left Mm -hmm. right and right now uh thanks to many benefactors uh human Time and, and, and effort is really the most important thing that you can donate. Uh, forgive me if I'm putting words in your mouth. No. Where do you, what, in your opinion, where could someone focus their uh, outreach or canvassing to, you know, to that, where is it needed most? Yeah, I think uh, the West Side, you know, I've heard it called the Weird. sleeping giant. Weird <laughs> that the West Side wouldn't support affordable, supportive housing. Yeah, we've been, we've been, we door knocked in D4 in the Sunset and D1 twice in the Richmond. Um, it's been pretty supportive. You know, when I was doing door knocking, I definitely encountered some people who were really pissed off at me, but I definitely encountered a lot of people, <laughs> more people I'd say, that were supportive, that realized, oh, finally we're doing something. They hadn't even heard of it yet, and they're like, oh, thank God we can do this. Like, I'm a lawyer, I'm a teacher, blah, blah, blah. We need to end something like this. So I think the West Side is somewhere that, that there is support that just needs to be sort of awakened. Okay, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, I think... One thing about this whole displacement, whatever crisis that we've been going on, are a lot more people that maybe did live in the mission or maybe would have lived on the east side have ventured out to the Richmond and have ventured out to the sunset. And it's no longer just this bastion of humans who think they live in a suburb. And, uh, but it's important to activate all those people. Yeah, certainly. There's a ton of voters out there. They, re- they really do vote, and there's lots of families, lots of people. So the West Side is definitely where people could go out and target you know, bus, bus stops, wherever they can, schools, farmers markets. And how, how does one find out about how to do that? If you're just an individual person that wants to help out, should they, how, who should they contact? So you could, there's two ways. Either uh, ourcityourhomesf.org is our website, or you could go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash ourcityourhome. And... Both of these places will have all of our events. They'll have all of the things that we're doing. You could even sign up to get signs delivered to your home. It nice. will, we'll drop them off to you. We'll leave a little sticky note, a little thank you note. You can sign up to go to farmers market. We're trying to hit every farmers market as many as possible until the end of this time, especially on the west side and Stonestown and stuff like that. We also have phone banking every night at the coalition, every day, 11 to 7 p.m. Uh, at 468 Turk Street in the Tenderloin. You can buy it, you can pick up a sign, pick up a palm card, and phone bank. We're hitting our swing voters there. Um, also at 100 Kansas Street, you could phone bank for Prop C and Prop 10 dual and some candidates if you wanted to. That's 100 Kansas Street. That's every day from 5 to 8, and at the Coalition 468 Turk Street from 11 in the afternoon to 7 at night. Um, so there's plenty of ways to get involved. All of our events are up on Facebook. I think that's probably the best way, Facebook and Twitter. And I think... Even if you're an individual that doesn't like see an event, right? If you mm-hmm. just want to help, it's still important to just call and ask for a sign. Yes. Anything helps yes. more than nothing. So you can also pick up a sign at the Yimby offices at 1260 Mission. We've got a nice little healthy stack, and we've got also palm cards that you can pick up here. Um, although if you deplete all of our palm cards, we'll have to get more. <laughs> and another really important way that you can help out is by using this app that we're using called Voter Circle. So Voter Circle uh, is a way to give you the ability to target your friends who live in the district in San Francisco who are registered voters. And it'll cross-reference with your contacts and Gmail. It'll give you the ability to edit it. You won't have to send it to any exes that you might not want to talk to anymore. Um, 
<laughs> but it is a really powerful tool for sharing out the MB endorsements. We have reached more than 1,500 voters with this really easy tool. I'm going to put a link in the show notes um, and really do use this because your friends want to hear from you. They have received their ballots. They are completely overwhelmed by the immense ballot book and the crazy arguments, and they're completely... They just don't know what to do. And a nice, friendly email from you that just says, here's how I'm voting in local San Francisco elections. Um, You can also link to your own voter guide or other things that you think are good resources. Um, And definitely, you can add in a link to the Our City, Our Home website. So please use this tool to reach your friends. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So now hearing from Adina, um, who has been working on transportation, especially in the South Bay, and doing a lot of pro-housing work uh, to talk to us about why we should not repeal the gas tax. Welcome, Adina. Welcome. All right. Well, thank you very much. Really excited to be here. Uh, Yimby housing and transportation go together like chocolate and peanut butter. So glad to be bringing the peanut butter, the chocolate, or maybe it's vice versa. I don't know. Yeah. Either or. I think we're the chocolate. Okay, let's not. There might be peanut butter enthusiasts <laughs> listening to this also. Um, so, talk to us about uh, Measure Six and how it got on the ballot, and why we should be so strongly no on six. So, um, Senate Bill One was a bill that um, was the first gas tax increase in twenty-three years. That is raising $5.4 billion, with a B, billion dollars per year for transportation. It's uh, $0.12 cents a gallon on your gas and a little bit of extra money on your vehicle registration fee. And that money is going towards repairing roads, which all over the state of California were in terrible shape, and then really substantial funding for the important public transit, major projects that we need in order to have a really successful region as we're adding more infill housing. So Caltrain is already getting electrified, and what this will do is help it to get fully electrified and have longer trains, because the trains are super crowded. Um, That is helping to get also longer BART trains, more BART cars, so that um, BART will not be as squished and crowded. Also, AC transit buses, muni light rail vehicles, bicycle and pedestrian improvements, all of the really wonderful things we need to do to make that infill work is in that um, funding. And if it goes away, we are really going to be pretty hosed. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because it's all the things that people complain about, right? When they're like, oh, we shouldn't build this housing because our transportation is already overfunded. And I have already heard from anti-housing people that they, they are pro-gas tax repeal. And it's like the level of like hilarity where they're like, they actively want to defund the transportation mm-hmm. that they're complaining about not working. Well, I mean, it's the last bastion mm-hmm. of being able to not claim that you're anti-housing while being anti-housing, right? Like if you don't let the transportation fix, then how can we possibly have the housing? Yeah. So, so one of the big political moves on this was this is actually a major initiative from the California Republican Party. The top of the ticket is um, like they're having some trouble at the top of the ticket. (laughs) And so they were like, well, how do we motivate our base voters? We are Republicans. We hate taxes. Um, Public infrastructure, we don't like that so much. Don't ask me to explain that or defend it, but that's the 
you know, that that's the political motivation. So that's been a big push for the Republican Party to try and energize the base. And people who would like to turn back the clock to a halcyon day of more suburban climbs and, you know, not really having to improve our transportation system, that may be part of it too. Just for my, for our own clarity, the SB1, where mm-hmm. this originated from, that money is, be, is do, being doled out already, right? Like, are there projects that would literally kind of get defunded overnight that are, we're well into if this passes? Absolutely. There are active transportation bike lanes and street improvements that are going in. And if this statewide. thing passes, hey, statewide, statewide, high, highway repaving, they pull the plug, the potholes grow. Um, the, you know, Caltrain has put in the order for the longer trains and they're going to say, noops, oops, sorry, we're, we're happy being like really crowded. (laughs) Yeah, that's what's going to happen if this thing passes, but it's worse. It's even worse than that because not only would it pull the funding for the really good stuff that we need, um, what it would do, what it would require a vote of the people of two-thirds for any new gas tax increase or other transportation fee. So that will make it not only, it will not only take away the money for the good stuff we're getting, but it will make it so much harder to get this good stuff in the future. The the Republicans are truly good at hating everyone and being horrible. I'm sorry, there, I'm going to say it. There, I said it. (laughs) I do think that this is the way in which California has this like dual mindset around climate change, right? This is real climate denialism Mm -hmm. um, because we all know that we need to be moving away from, uh, from burning fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. We all know we need to be moving into denser housing near Mm -hmm. transportation. We need our transportation to improve. Everyone's complaining about the state of our transportation. Mm -hmm. And yet what they really want is for people to sort of go to the mythical someplace else and not bother us. And they don't want to be taxed and they just want to have things. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't understand this kind of attitude of not, of, of embracing the deterioration. Um, well, so the good thing is in the polling. Um, so, so first of all, polling is all over the map, but this is really risky. There were some polls that came out a few weeks ago that showed it really close. There was a poll that came out today that was really terrible. It's a mix, but this is not in any way a done deal. So if you are motivated, go vote and tell all your friends. And the good thing about telling all your friends here in the Bay Area is we in the Bay Area, when, when Laura was saying, well, I don't get this, like that's us. We in the Bay Area tend to like infrastructure and think that <laughs> civilization is good and climate change is bad, more or less. And therefore, turnout here is super important. So anything that you can do to get the word out and um, follow Yimby Action for other actions you can take, our votes really count and really matter. So um, let's you know be the good side of the Bay Area and vote no on six. So for people, especially in the Bay Area, um, what are sort of the things that they should be paying the most attention to? Okay, so in addition to the things that I've already mentioned, there is funding from SB1 that is going towards core capacity. So the ability to get across the bay, that's funded um, 
uh, by this money, the downtown extension um, connecting the Caltrain tracks and high-speed rail into downtown San Francisco. And um, this uh, core capacity um, could even potentially pay for uh, congestion pricing, that kind of reform. Um, There's a means-based fare pilot, which is something the region has been working on for quite a while, and it's providing discounts. The pilot is the for key for agencies, Muni, Bart, Caltrain, and Golden Gate, giving a 20% discount for households making less than $50,000 a year. But that is the first step. It's a toe in the water for something that could have more agencies and more discounts. This is the money for it. If this money goes away, we will not have our means-based discount and the equity goals that we are considering will also take a step backward. Well, that sounds horrible. I think everyone should <laughs> vote no on six. In addition to all the stuff YIMBY is doing, what are other ways that people can get involved in the No on Six campaign? So um, watch your uh, YIMBY material. And if you're a San Francisco transit rider, a little plug for them. Um, they're going to be coordinating some flyering of transit stops and stations. And um, so uh, watch for YIMBY and or San Francisco transit riders for opportunities to get out there and educate voters So what are other measures around the Bay Area that are going to be supporting transportation um, and any housing that you know about as well? I know um, Measure V is a bond in San Jose to get a lot more funding for subsidized affordable housing. Um, What are other measures that you think are really important for people to take note of? Okay. So if you are in San Mateo County or you have any friends and colleagues in San Mateo County, there is a ballot measure, Measure W, which is um, extremely complementary to keeping the gas tax money. And what that is, is a a half-cent sales tax in San Mateo County, providing $2.4 billion over 30 years. And um, uh, there's been a ton of local advocacy and activism to make that be really rich in transit and active transportation. So it's 65% transit and active transportation with some additional money for road repaving and about 22% for highways. Um, there's some, in addition to having the really good transit and active transportation, there's a complete streets requirement on all the projects. Um, if you happen to have been involved in um, bike ped advocacy, you'll know that this was a problem in the past. And uh, another good thing in terms of how this money is going to be spent is that it allows even highway projects to spend some of the money into getting more people into fewer cars on that highway. Mm-hmm. So in addition to having it be really, really strong in transit and active transportation, we have some good policies to help it be spent even better as well as some goals for environment and equity um, to really help steer that money in a good direction and involve the community um, as well, including a direction relating to supporting affordable housing. So Measure W is a great complement to know on six. Um, So if you're in San Mateo County, our friends in San Mateo County, it's yes on W, no on six. And if you're in San Jose, uh, no on six and yes on V. And if you're in San Francisco, no no on six and yes on C. And with that, (laughs) I think we can wrap this bad boy up. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on, Adina. All right. Well, thank you. It's really been a pleasure.
So for our last segment, um, we're going to chat a little bit about one of the clubs that have been mobilizing uh, under Yimby Action and mobilizing. That's a pun because we're going to talk about Yimby Mobility. <laughs> um, so Scott, who is our producer right now for uh, Infill and has been doing a fantastic job, if you're like, oh my God, Infill is coming out regularly. Isn't that exciting? Uh, you have Scott Feeney to thank for that. So welcome, mm-hmm. Scott. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm Scott Feeney. I am a Yimby volunteer at large. I've been doing all, all sorts of things, um, but here to talk today about the Yimby Mobility Caucus. Or is it a caucus or a club? We haven't really figured that out. Yimby Mobility is what it's called right now. Um, after, and this is something for like sort of the membership writ large. After November 6th, we're going to be doing a lot of kind of internal structure work and helping people like decide on official names for things and put things on the website. It's going to be a very exciting time. Um, So don't think that just because election day will have passed you by that there will not be lots of activities. But the Yimby Mobility Group has been doing a lot uh, with our endorsed candidates and no on six and uh, working with other our bikes and the um, bicycle coalition and Janice who's running for BART board. Um, so talk some about you guys had an amazing mobilization this past Sunday. We um, did. Yeah. How did that go? It went great. I was actually uh, very impressed by the number of people that we were able to turn out. I think it went really well. Uh, big shout out to Kyle Borland and Kazia Platner for helping to organize that. Uh, it was a team effort among the three of us. Um, but yeah, so we uh, invited a bunch of people to come out with us on a Sunday to Argonne Playground in the central Richmond district. And we walked around the Richmond district. Uh, some people were doing some lit drops for Janice and Yes and C. Mostly we were doing merchant walks. So we go into little stores and we say, hi, I'm volunteering with uh, Janice Lee for Bartboard. And we were wondering if we could put a sign here. And surprisingly, amount of the time they say yes just go ahead put it there yeah i mean this is one of the we're gonna have a lot of workshops uh after the election on kind of like things like giving public comment and canvassing and start building more of that into uh kind of regular activities but merchant walks where you do signs is like the easiest way to like get your toe in the water of talking to potential voters you know you just walk in and say hey can i put this in your window and then they just say yes which is very weird it's so weird they always say in my experience one of three things either it's like yes go ahead or it's like no we don't do any politics stuff sorry or it's like oh let me take that sign and i'll ask my manager and then they'll definitely never put it up but you just give it to them <laughs> and there's almost never like a substantive like well what is, what are their values like what are, where do they stand on the issues it's just like either yes or no yeah, so you'll sometimes see, um, especially in places where it's a contested race. Uh, so in District Six, you'll see a lot of like corner stores that have all three candidate signs in their yeah. windows. Yeah, but Sonia's is the loudest. It's it's bright pink, so you'll always see the Sonia signs. And Janice's is really cute with the uh, Bart train zooming along. Yeah, Janice is an awesome sign. I really like it. It's like a on a blue background, and there's a zooming Bart train, and then on the there's like this little light where the sign is on the Bart train, where it says Smart Bart in a, in the red circle. It's very striking. <laughs> um, no on six, as I recall, has like all like all no campaigns is often black and red. Like yeah. they, they're very yeah. Anytime somebody's running a no campaign, it's like basically the same color scheme, black and red. So it's a funny story about the the No on Six campaign because we did have signs, but I 
inadvertently picked up lawn signs instead of window signs. So I was like, that's interesting. These are printed two to a sheet of paper and it's not really perforated. How do I cut them? And eventually I realized that they're lawn signs and that's also why they're massive. <laughs> and so, um, Another shout out actually to uh, to Rowan who helped me cut them. Uh, we cut some of them into half so that we could use them as window signs. But even then, they were just so impractically large that we only put up a couple of those. Oh, man. I guess that sort of also speaks to the fact that the campaign is going to be like won and lost in the suburbs where yeah. lawns are a thing. Yeah, and I'm really concerned because I just read that a new poll is showing yes on six, crushing no on six by two to one. Oof. So we, we really need to get the word out there. This is just one poll, so we shouldn't take too much from that. It could just be one poll that's wacky, but we really do need to do the work to make sure that six loses. So this Saturday, um, we're going to be doing another mobilization with Nick Josefowitz, the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition, um, Our Bikes, and Yimby Mobility. Um, do you want to talk a bit about what people can expect? Yeah. So the day after this comes out, so if, if this is hot off the press when you're listening to it, then this would be tomorrow, Saturday, October 20th. We are going to be joining up with a canvas for uh, Nick Josefowitz in District 2, who is also endorsed by the Bicycle Coalition and Our Bikes. And we are going to also be handing out Janice Lit, because surprisingly, Janice's oddly shaped district includes District 2. <laughs> so if you, I don't know if, if how many of you have heard our interview that we did with Janice two weeks ago, but we did interview Janice and she talks about how her district is C-shaped. It's like a bizarre district that's like the west side, but also a little bit of the north side and a tiny bit of the south side of the city. So we are going to be doing a joint canvas for Nick and, and Janice. And I'm really excited about that one. You should come out tomorrow. And you're going to be doing it with Our Bikes. What is Our Bikes? Our Bikes is a new uh, sort of like organization that sprung up around promoting bike share specifically. So until recently, there was nobody who was really making bike share a priority. I think it's now more of a priority for the Bicycle Coalition than it was. But there was nobody who like all they were about was like making sure that bike share expansion isn't getting held up, uh, which currently it is. So, um, yeah, and, and held up, but also sort of like stifled to ineffectiveness. I mean, that's the part that I'm worried about is that they, they are starting to embrace policies where they sort of allow it. And bike share really only works if you have a huge number of bikes that you can pick up anywhere in the city and drop off anywhere in the city. And so this kind of like stifling it, it seems like the worst of all options. Definitely. I mean, jump bikes just got their cap doubled from, I think, 250 to 500 bikes and it's <laughs> it's still yeah i know i mean we have more than 800,000 people here so that's still not enough to to serve the west oh side and God. it's it's not really enough to even serve the area that they currently serve without you having to walk a long way some of the time yeah i mean this is you need i mean density here it is applying density. to another thing these these networks only work when you have a network effect and that is the whole point of having bike share available is that you could take a bike out somewhere leave it for the next person and not have to worry about making sure that it's within the confined zone i mean this is just i just think it's really nutty yeah so definitely uh Yimby mobility wants to be helping with that so hopefully we'll start to see uh, some change and some more welcoming of bike share some quicker expansion um, because I know that uh, the Yimbies in the Sunset would really love, and the Richmond would really love to be able to use bike share. 
Awesome. Um, so if people want to plug in to Yimby Mobility, when's the next meeting? So we've been meeting every second uh, Thursday of the month. And so we just had one on October 11th, and we'll have one about a week after the election. Awesome. And uh, there's other ways, other clubs and things you can get involved in. Um, if you live on the west side, we've got uh, Grow the Richmond and also West Side, Best Side. Uh, in the north, Build the North. Uh, and uh, we've got Progress Snowy Valley. So there's a lot of clubs uh, organizing both around issues and neighborhoods. Um, so plug into all the fun stuff happening in Yimby World. Thanks so much for tuning in.